0: Makers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warlow and I have a great guest lined up for you today. Now this podcast, it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, and sometimes we're going to be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, before I introduce today's guests, I want to ask a favor. It won't take a minute, and it would make a huge difference to us. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to, subscribe, and leave a rating and review? It helps us to share our message of inspirational change with as many people as we can, and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. So let me ask you, are you ready to be inspired? Because today, our guest on the podcast is Dr. Jeffrey Rutstein. Dr. Rutstein is a clinical psychologist, an expert in the treatment of trauma, a certified Hakomi mindfulness-centered somatic psychotherapist, and a meditation teacher who has been in private practice for over 35 years. He has practiced meditation for over 50 years, and that profoundly impacts every aspect of his work. He has devoted his professional life to helping people reduce their suffering and struggle, while empowering them to live inspiring and more meaningful lives. Our title of our conversation today is In Times of Upheaval, uncovering the ground in you. So welcome, Jeffrey.
1: Hi, Jane. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Oh, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to our conversation, Jeffrey. <laughs> really, I am. Now, we've known each other for a few years, although we haven't been in touch for a few years as well. So, That's true. Uh, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to digging in and seeing what you're most passionate about now. But before we do, you know, our listeners have heard your professional bio and I'd love you just to speak a little bit to the human behind the bio before we get into our title content. So tell us a bit about you.
1: Hmm. Well, um, I was born in Maryland and grew up in Maryland. And, uh, as a child, I was, uh, an enormously anxious child when I was young and, uh, It was painful because a lot of other kids aren't anxious and you notice children feeling carefree and um, unselfconscious. And because I had such severe anxiety, I didn't feel very free and I felt immensely self-conscious. So I remember that there was a lot of happy times in my childhood, but there was a lot of stuff that I struggled with because uh, I had such anxiety. And I grew up believing that. Um, you know, there must be something wrong with me. I must be broken because I can't, I can't turn this thing off. That's just a sign of mm, me being less than other, other people. Uh, and like a lot of psychologists, you know, there was interesting things going on in my family. Some healthy, some not so healthy, but that makes you want to study psychology to either fix your family or yourself. <laughs> so that's certainly what got me into psychology initially, but i also was drawn because i really wanted to do service i wanted to be able to do something um, Mm -hmm. that would change the world for the better i've always been drawn to something that would contribute more than just me making a living Uh, and so i studied psychology at rutgers and um, i then did a seven-year postdoc in psychoanalysis and that was the traditional therapy at the time but i was also getting more and more trauma patients and as i was getting more and more trauma patients i was realizing that the way that psychoanalysis works and psychotherapy works is great for people who don't have trauma but it's horrible for people who do have trauma and so i began exploring a whole range of other therapeutic avenues that would be available to help people learn how to work with the trauma in their body. Now, why is this important? Because we know that trauma stays in the body, that the activation, the fear, the terror, the rage, they tend to stay held in the tissues, they stay held in certain beliefs, certain attitudes, certain ways of being, and they also stay held in certain states that uh, trauma survivors continually revisit, two of which are fight or flight. And so as I began studying how prevalent fight, flight, and there's two others, freeze and shutdown, occurred with my patients and how disruptive they were to their life, I began to become more and more interested in not just helping them with the psychological pieces, the stories and the beliefs, the limiting beliefs that kept them locked, but also actually trying to help them work at the level of the states, at the level of the wiring. Because when someone is triggered when someone is uh like you may know the stories of vietnam vets who are war vets when they hear a car backfire um they would jump to the ground because their body would be telling them an incoming missile or uh, Mm. artillery shell would be coming in and so what happens is the body just goes ahead and reacts fully in a life-saving mode and it's embarrassing if it's a car backfiring and you're a you know a gentleman in a business meeting at an outdoor cafe and then you jump into the bushes because you hear that sound so one of the things that mopes upsets a lot of people but particularly trauma survivors is how dysregulated they feel mm-hmm. so a lot of my work has been about studying the ways to help people uh, recover a kind of uh, self-regulation recover a sense of okayness or peace or grounding and in the last 15 years there has been so much research that has shown that what meditative disciplines have known for years that certain types of attention training actually can be life-changing in terms of learning how to shift out of states of overwhelming arousal overwhelming anger and rage overwhelming shame and fear so um that's kind of how my professional career has has gone i've i've recently been doing more work with sounds true as well who i love i don't know if you're familiar with them or or your Mm -hmm. viewers are but they're a wonderful publisher whose main mission is disseminating spiritual wisdom and one of the ways that i was interested in partnering with one of the main reasons is because i've always been a fan of them but they're working actively their tagline is waking up the world yeah and so uh, what they're about is very aligned with what i feel about which is that if you help people feel better psychologically and spiritually that people then are able to contribute from that space creatively and constructively to the culture to everyone to themselves to their families like if people are happier and and less miserable and less enraged and less frightened um the stuff that we're seeing all the time wouldn't happen as much
0: yeah yeah and i think you know as you're as you're speaking there i'm i'm getting a very kind of clear picture of of the work you do and 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 there's also a few questions that come up Hmm. particularly at this time because we're recording this in, in August, 2020, where, you know, um a lot of the world is still in a global pause of sorts mm. and we're, and we're starting to emerge from some of the restrictions that have been put in place because of the COVID-19 virus. And I, I'm wondering, do you see this as a global trauma that we're dealing with?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, in the sense that uh, our nervous systems will experience this as profoundly disruptive, mm-hmm. and that for many people it absolutely is a trauma if they've suddenly lost income, suddenly lost their health, their loved one, their health insurance, a job, a home. I mean, the fires. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's there, uh, a family member due through racial unrest. There, there is so many people who are being directly impacted by trauma from. Very specifically, traumatic things, but I mm-hmm. think all of us are being traumatized. Uh, especially, I mean, like I can speak best for the states just because I live here, mm-hmm. but um, it's being battered by like everything—by the pandemic and political yeah. upheaval and racial unrest and and hurricane season, and right. it's and fire season, and it's happening all at the same time. And we're in this place of no leadership, just rage. And so it it feels to me like what we're all watching is the worst of what humans can do. If we are dominated and driven by not, I don't want to say our base instincts, that's like an old phrase, but if we're dominated and driven by our evolutionarily determined survival um, strengths of fight, flight, freeze, or shutdown, and we're only going into those, we're missing a whole opportunity to have anything but suffering and struggle because there's nothing good that will come of those states right i mean you may save your life but so when in a crisis it can work but in a situation like this um those energies usually are overwhelming and usually serve to just constrict us and shut us down and that's exactly also what happens to trauma survivors
0: yeah so how do we navigate this well
1: Well, that is, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, So let me talk about that a little bit more. So first of all, you know, from evolution, our, our organism was designed to be able to react quickly to a threat. Yeah. So that's why before you can, like someone throws a rock at you, I remember this in first grade. Um, someone throws a rock at you and by the time you're thinking I wonder what that is it's a rock it's coming towards my face by the time you begin to do that thinking wise the rocks hit you in the face what happens your nervous system is your eyes see an object coming and before you even know what it is you have bent down so that response in the nervous system saves us and that's that's why that's why we're still alive but the idea is not everything is a rock or um, a saber toothed tiger, and we're reacting to everything in some ways. Our TV show is taken off the air, internet service is interrupted. Um, you know, something else happens, we're late for work, the car breaks down, and our nervous system still takes this as some fight or flight, life based struggle. So, our nervous systems are vastly unprepared for uncertainty. We can tolerate some moments of this, but our nervous systems from the evolutionary point of view want a decision made, go right, go left, go into fight, go into flight, play dead, fight back. It's not like, I can't decide yet. I don't have enough information. I can't make any action because I don't have enough information. And so that creates a kind of ongoing sense of unrest, disturbance, not being settled. And if you think about the situation with the pandemic, uh, this has been going on for months now, a vast uncertainty. How long will it go on? How will it affect my livelihood? How will it affect business? How will it affect people I love? When will people travel again? There's massive uncertainty. And so I think between the massive uncertainty and our ability to pick up on, because we're a mammal, We have the ability to pick up on other mammals' distress. And our nervous system's um, main unconscious job when we're picking up someone else's distress is to amplify it. Oh, right, we should be anxious too. Yes, let's run. And so we're kind of all joining into the unsettledness of the uncertainty and the pervasive fear and anger over what's going on. So there's a lot of noise. and. The irony is, and this is where the personal, your three levels of personal, business, and cultural, societal, this is where I feel very strongly that the most important place to start is the personal, is the noting, being aware of what state you're in. So what I mean by state is like when I'm angry, I'm in a state. I'm in an angered state. When you're angry, you're in an angered state. We know certain things that happen to the human brain when they're in certain states. When people are angry, that's fight energy, right? That's survival energy. So we say things or do things to show our dominance or strength to hurt someone else or protect our property or our interests. And our brain will actively see other people as enemy and want to hate them, thwart them. We have a lot of Mm, negative angry fight energy being aimed at them anyone who feels anger to some extent goes through that. It's just what the brain does. It's kind of like they've taken a pill and anyone who's angry, their brain is gonna do basically the same thing. Now, people will choose differences in behavior. Someone might actually go out and run over somebody and someone else might just think about, God, I wish I was the kind of person who would go and run over somebody. But the fact is, is that the brain will, will be having these reactions, whether someone's totally aware of them or not anyway. The same thing with fear. If you're picking up fear if you're afraid you're only going to be focusing on future events that are going to be calamitous catastrophic and so part of what is helpful is first to stop to just stop and take a moment maybe take a few breaths and just inquire what what am I feeling right now like give yourself a little space to actually look at it i'm yelling in my head about that that phone conversation or something else so i must be angry or i'm yelling in my head about how bad i am uh i must be angry and shaming myself or i'm still worried about being caught because i didn't do that i didn't file my taxes last year or i forgot to send the email to my partner um so we're always going to go into these automatic places the power is when we can begin to recognize that we've gone. So I don't know how much of your community meditates or has practiced meditation or mindfulness. One of the basic skills that's an attentional skill in mindfulness is you follow your breathing, you follow the sensation of your breath, and then inevitably your mind is gonna wander off the breath, it just does, that's natural. At some point, you will become aware you've wandered off and you gently bring yourself back to the breath. The idea isn't to actually stay on the breath all the time. It's inevitable that you're going to wander. The important strength that's being built, though, is noticing you've drifted and coming back. And that skill is incredibly helpful. And we can break it down into two words. The first two initials of RAIN, R and I recognize and allow the first two things you can do is to first recognize what's going on are you tense are you angry are you worried are you sad are you in some state now we've talked jane about the defensive states fight mm-hmm. flight freeze shut down but there's also a newer state that people have probably not heard as much about it's been around for the last 100 to 300,000 years and it's the tend and befriend state sometimes called the rest and digest but we've mostly moved it towards the tend and befriend because it's a more relaxed and balanced state it's a much more calmer state but it's a state of social engagement in this tend and befriend state we uh, work collaboratively We feel like contributing. We hold excitement and hope for the group. We, uh, uh, you know, touch others and speak and share uh, feelings and thoughts and are vulnerable in some way. There's collaboration, there's heart connection there. Um, This state is available to us at all times, just like the other states are. But the other states are much more entrancing because the other states have to do with quote unquote saving your life. So they're gonna get um, preemptive notice, right? Mm -hmm. Having a good social conversation is not gonna necessarily save your life. So tend and befriend doesn't get the pyrotechnics (laughs) that the other states do, (laughs) you know? And, And here's the other thing I talk about with people too is like when you're angry, the state is sticky. The state that you're in when you're angry tells you you should be angry. And when you're in shame, the shame is telling you, oh, by the way, you should be ashamed. You really suck. And when you're scared, scared is telling you, oh, by the way, this you really should be frightened. Something terrible is going to happen. So the state itself actually works to keep you in it. So the only way or the best way to begin to shift is first to stop, literally stop, stop walking, stop talking for a minute, sometimes it helps to put one or two hands on the heart close your eyes take a breath just sort of come back into the body back into the breath back into a moment of presence and just notice what's the state of the body and mind right now is it relatively relaxed or is it kind of worked up tight contracted if you're noticing you're kind of worked up tight or contracted you're in a state of contraction or a defensive state that doesn't mean it's wrong it may mean it's unnecessary at that moment and that's where you then initiate the second step which is allow meaning sometimes when i feel depressed right i then get really angry and judgmental of myself for being depressed or if i'm lazy and not feel like doing work and i'm tired and i I just want a nap instead i can get angry with myself or shame myself that i didn't get that work done allowing is actually adopting in the moment an attitude of open acceptance befriending i'm I'm just going to be with this state right now i'm not going to criticize myself for feeling it i'm not going to criticize myself because i shouldn't be feelings whatever just going to allow myself to pay attention to how this is in my body how this feels in my body So notice, what we're doing here is we're taking our awareness. When you and I are agitated, when anyone's agitated, our awareness is in our thoughts, our concepts, the argument in our head, the plans we're making. And something, maybe grace, maybe our own awareness helps us realize, oh, I'm upset, or I'm contracted, I'm really hating myself right now, or I'm hating life right now, or I'm hating my spouse right now. And then, then we have the option of turning our awareness in dropping into sensation now why this is really important is because we can't think our way out of thoughts so this is really about shifting states this is about shifting from a state where it's thought dominated shifting towards a state that's a little bit more inclusive of the body and feeling and sensation and as best you can not fighting with whatever sensations you find just allowing them to be there so for example if i'm really angry i feel a lot of heat and burning tightness in my throat tightness in my chest my face feels squinched up and not judging yourself for it, just feeling it and being with it. What's kind of amazing is that if you begin to pay attention to what you're actually feeling in the body without fighting it, without editorializing, shaming yourself, criticizing yourself for it, just being with it like you would be with a hurt or a scared child, you're just there with them, that what happens is the state begins to subside. Now, there's a lot of uh, spiritual traditions that also talk about this, Advaita is one, that talks about the idea that kind of enlightenment is always available to us. We're just distracted by it, we're distracted from it. And this is true with the idea of tend and befriend. I mean, in the vast majority of situations, not all, but in the vast majority of situations, we could shift into tend and befriend. We don't because we're stuck in habit. And the more that the world is in upheaval and divisive crazy bad stuff around us, um, then it actually helps amplify our own noise. So if people also give permission to noting that they are gonna feel more depressed, more tired, less motivated, my sleep has changed. Lots of people's sleep has changed. Exercise, energy, all these things have changed under the uncertainty of the pandemic. If they can also allow that in, of course I'm feeling this way because of all that's going on and then just recognize it and allow it.
0: Wow, just listening to you. I mean, everything you say makes so much sense to me. It really does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in many ways, I notice how what you're speaking to here is, is so tied into our own sense of awareness of where we're placing our attention of stepping back and witnessing and observing what we're actually doing. And, and I love that because for me, as I've, learned to do this over the years it has um it's really it's let me say it's got easier to do that's the first thing but I remember as you were talking about states I've got to share a funny little story like my my mother was a very dominant woman (laughs) and um she used to say to me Jane you're in a right state she didn't mean I was in a correct state (laughs) she meant I was in like a poor state right like pull yourself together right now (laughs) kind of thing and it's kind of interesting to me that you know when we're in these times that we're in and and I suffer from some of what you're talking about as well where I find myself in a state that is you know, not resourceful is is full of negative emotion well, I say negative, but is, is is emotions that I'm not intending to have. let's put it that way i It's like I sometimes, even in the witnessing, I don't know so this is interesting because it's coming up very honestly is mm-hmm. I don't know how I should be behaving
1: mm.
0: in this place, and i'm I'm sure there's other people that feel. The same way there's so much uncertainty. There's no end in sight.
1: Right.
0: And there's also, for me, a growing acknowledgement that the way we've been living our lives isn't going to work in this situation, this context we find ourselves in now. So we do need changes, but for the life of me, it doesn't matter how much thinking I put into it, I don't really have clear answers and that puts me back it's like I go through a cycle a flip-flop of I can witness myself I can pause I can get into a, a good grounded state and then in the next moment something can happen um, and, and it doesn't have to be something happening outside of me it can just be as you're describing another thought that arises and then I'm in a different state again. <laughs> a- a- a-
1: absolutely. This is, this is what I've actually spent the last 20 or 30 years studying in myself right. and in my clients.
0: Right.
1: And one of my root teachers, yeah. uh talks about, um, get curious about all the things that pull you out of wakefulness because that's really what it is. You were grounded, Mm. you were awake, you were aware, you were present. And then when our mind is not otherwise preoccupied, we tend to drift back through habit. So my habit can be, if I'm not otherwise preoccupied, I'll be thinking about what should I be doing and is there anything I fucked up? (laughs) (laughs) It's a lovely way to go through the day. And so once I become aware of that, I can work with that. Now, that that just used how how I would just live the day. Now, I just see that it can come up a lot, and I don't often engage it. I see it, and I can disengage and shift out of it. But uh, again, what happens is that, like, so your mom said, Jane, you're in a right state right now. <laughs> and that, that would... That would have told you as a little girl, well, do something. You can't be showing what you're feeling. Right. So your nervous system was going to figure out, okay, I have to do something with this feeling and I have to make it not be seen. Yeah. So that's going to tell your nervous system also, like when you want to express things at certain times or you're uncertain about them, you might find that you struggle a bit more than someone who may not have received that message growing up that any state they were in was good enough.
0: Yeah, and that when you said that, then I could your voice changed into my mother's voice. (laughs) (laughs) I could feel, and I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. (laughs) Right, right. See, see, right.
1: I mean, so like, if you think about this, it's it's not so strange. Our parents, our parents, uh, uh, parented us, and a lot of parents, especially growing up when we grew up, would use uh, fight or flight (laughs) as a way of helping discipline their kids you scare them you yell at them you raise your voice you let them know you're angry you know i think uh, more recently uh, parents have become much more conscious i think and much more aware that you don't have to do those things to get a child to learn um that you don't have to scare the crap out of them <laughs> um but the fact is is that th- people were just using their evolutionary instincts and they were passing them on to their kids, just like dogs discipline other dogs by biting them. That's just what they do, right? So, I mean, so all of this really boils down to, we can use awareness. And Dan Siegel, by the way, has a great book out called The Wheel of Awareness, but he has this wonderful model that I love. So he has you imagine an old fashioned wagon wheel. And there's a hub at the center, and there's spokes that go out to the rim, and then there's a rim that goes all around. And so in this in this image, he says the things on the rim, all around the rim are all the content, the things we can think about. What am I gonna do for lunch? How am I gonna build my business with a business plan? What am I gonna do after this Netflix show ends? Um, and so it's, it's doing all those things on an automatic basis. And then I'm sorry, they're hammering again. Um, (laughs) I'm having some construction and I'd ask them to not hammer during the outside. So, um, uh, where was I right before that, Jane, I'm sorry.
0: Um, You were talking about, um, I don't know, because I heard the hammering as well. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, where were you? (laughs) You were talking about Dan Siegel and the wagon wheel
1: and the- Oh, right, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Memory is such a horrible thing to lose. (laughs) so uh, the wagon wheel is all those objects that we're thinking about yeah the spoke is how our attention is focusing and attaching to one object right and the hub is our awareness mm. so we become aware of say the sound of the hammer our awareness has a spoke that goes all the way out to the sound and we're right there we're right at the rim mm. and in that moment we're kind of disrupted by the hammer and we forget everything else on the rim and we also forget awareness we're just kind of lost in the god i wish that sound would stop Mm -hmm. right it's a natural reaction and so part of the wheel of awareness is sometimes taking the spoke and trying to aim it gently back towards the hub in other words part of the practice of mindfulness or any meditation system is about paying attention to attention bringing your awareness back to how you're being aware or what you're being aware of does that make sense?
0: It does, and you know in many ways, it feeds into another question that I mm-hmm. have, and I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here, sure, which is uh, that you know, I mean our title in times of upheaval, uncovering the ground in you mm-hmm. there's some underlying assumptions there that make me think about. You know, right now, I feel like I'm standing on shifting sands Mm -hmm. in the external world. Yes, Things are changing and shifting so rapidly. Mm -hmm. So if I can use my awareness as you're speaking to and and, and pay attention to the attention, is it possible for me to stay grounded when everything around me seems like it's shifting?
1: So the, the key word here is stay. Yeah. You're not going to stay anywhere until you're dead. <laughs> and then we'll know where you are, sort of, <laughs> at least your physical body. Um, the fact is, is that you're not going to always stay grounded. That's right. a kind of a binary idea. What we mm-hmm. can do is when we notice we're dysregulated, we can A, make a choice. A, we can notice it, and then we can choose, do something about it or not. Hmm. And then if we choose to do something about it, we could choose to work at shifting. Mm.
0: And you know what I'm not, I've just had a, an insight into huh. my own behavior, which is that I've noticed I'm working more than I would, what was before mm-hmm. the pandemic. Sure. And I'm now beginning to wonder if I'm just distracting myself (laughs) so that I'm not actually in the reality, I'm not facing reality because I'm distracting myself with all my work. And, and the other thing is intend and befriend. When I do something good for someone else or I contribute in a certain way, I do feel better about myself, regardless of what's going on. I feel, okay, I've done something good there. I've helped someone. I've supported someone. Yes. Yes. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Maybe I'm just distracting.
1: (laughs) First of all, first of all, it's a wonderful question. And and I want to commend you because it takes a certain amount of honesty with oneself to come to that as a possibility. doesn't mean it's true. Mm -hmm. You're willing to look for, is this just a a good and gracious thing I'm doing, or is this partly also protective? Mm. And guess what? It can be both. Yeah. That, that the inspiration for Sacred change makers came to your heart through an opening. Yeah. You were also a human being in a human body in the midst of a pandemic and a lot of other horrible things storming around you. And so the human being is going to want to be doing something constructive doing something to buy the time, either shut down right, and just go to sleep, or you might get active and have a nice balance of some fight and flight energy and go out and create things. I imagine what you're finding, and actually you talked about this, as you said, I'm working a bit more. Mm. Now, what I would say is the bit more is key here. Mm. The bit more is probably from the fear, Yeah, but there's probably working a bit, or working a good bit that feels perfectly right and what we could do is try to help you look at so what piece is coming from the fear like <laughs> is five hours extra week coming from the fear and you could cut those five hours out mm-hmm. because you would want to find okay what's the level of work that i'm really truly able to give honoring my energy right now where i'm not feeling like i been exploiting myself yeah
0: that's a great question Mm. yeah and i really want to sit with that because i actually feel that there's something here i need to pay attention to <laughs> mm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i really do sure Well look <laughs> I'm, I'm so look i i love that you're being vulnerable with me about this because what you're showing is that something as innocuous as this right this yeah. is this is this is there for everyone who's listening yeah They have their own version of this, and this is what I think. If people begin to get curious about, so it's not just their panic, like "Oh my God!" like the pandemic's coming for me this week, but it's it can be the background music of worry or concern or unsettlement that keeps us cycling in this fight or flight or shutdown where we just want to sleep all the time. Place, and so part of it is is just becoming aware of oh. Maybe I'm doing that. Hmm. Then the other piece is remembering. And, and sometimes it's hard to remember in, unless you've begun to experience this somewhat directly, that there is this other state that's available. It, to me, it's actually our home state. It's our home state when we're not otherwise threatened.
0: Yeah. And it's I the, know that place.
1: Mm, I do. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do right yeah. and and you know that's it's been very interesting to be a therapist during the pandemic yeah. because you know most of the time i work with other people's traumas and losses and stuff and this is one of those times where i'm working with all of my patients facing a similar trauma and loss in some ways and mm-hmm. at the same time i'm also dealing with a similar one just because of all the impacts in my life and family from it at the same time so it it also feels like there's something really important about all of us doing our work now.
0: Yes. I would totally agree with that. I really would. And what's interesting is we've talked here quite a lot about the individual perspective. Like mm-hmm. who am I being and right. who am I becoming mm-hmm. <laughs> in this moment and the next. Right. And you know, and I I'd love you to speak a little bit about how that bridges to what i would say is a growing realization in the world now that the world needs something different
1: yes (laughs) yes yes it does um so i i i feel that um most of the problems in the world are actually caused by continual instinctive defensive reactions happening between person and person nation and nation ethnic group to ethnic group and that this is just prolonging hatred hmm. now the only state that we're able to express and receive love from is the tendon befriend state When you're frightened, you can receive some love. It's hard for you to express it as much. But when you're really frightened, it's hard for you to take in the depth of what someone's offering you because your system is saying, just please help me be safe. The more that we can help ourselves learn how to come out of dysregulation, how to come out of living and fight, flight, shame, freeze, shut down, the more that we can enter into and hang out and tend and befriend even if it's for five minutes and then we're back in fight or flight and then an hour later we come back in for five minutes in those five minutes several things happen our physiological uh, functions begin to normalize more they're less stressed than when one of the states hormones and stress chemicals are way off in the protective states they're more rebalanced and um there's less adrenal um demand when we're in tendon befriend but when we're intend and befriend, we are capable of giving other people it's safe. Mm. Now, do you want someone who sells you out of fear, or do you want someone who sells you out of love and safety? That's from a business perspective. Yeah. But also, when you're intend and befriend, you're just naturally more emotionally intelligent because you're actually present to pick up the other person's facial cues or the energy between you. Or their mood and your mood you're more open to that because you're not as just stuck in your own mind ruminating about what you're upset about so we don't contribute to the dysregulation in society by not driving and being furious and you know exp- sort of having our anger drip out into the collective or our rage or our contempt drip out into the collective whole but we're instead also being a place, you know, uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about it as frequency holders, people who are sort of standing in for a more present consciousness. They don't even have to take that job on. But to me, that's part of our alchemical transmission or transformation of the larger society by more people living more of the time from a place of where they can access the tend and friend, And it does not mean you never go into a state or you don't get ungrounded or anything like that. You're still human. All those things happen. It's just that I think so many us live in states, like days, weeks, months, you know? And so if people really want to transform their inner experience so that it powerfully impact, impacts the outer world, the best thing they can do is to become more conscious, to become more aware of what their experience is. I mean, and specifically right now, looking for when you're in states, noticing that, taking a moment, stopping, recognizing it, naming it, and taking a moment to allow, to soften into it, to just kind of relax into it. What will happen is the struggle eases, the state eases. And then you're in a place where the problem could still be there, but you're in a more resource place to respond to it. If I'm in fight or flight and you say something insulting to me, I'm just gonna immediately get activated and say something insulting right back to you. But if not in fight or flight and you say something insulting to me, I might jump into activation, that'd be a good chance. But I also would have a better chance, if I wasn't activated, of choosing a response to you. yeah so i think it gives us the choice between reacting and responding
0: yeah yeah i think you're right and i mean it's so interesting to me because as you're talking and speaking about this i I was just getting this vision of a a different world where people are intending and befriend more than in the disruptive states of fight and flight and what you've been talking about. I just get a sense that for me, even if it was just me Mm -hmm. in, in those States and other people maybe aren't. And I practice these States. I just get a sense that my whole world would change.
1: Yes. And, and what actually changes is the way you see your whole world.
0: Yes. The way you
1: experience your whole world. Yes. Because you've just changed your lens. Whenever we are in a state one of the defensive states, our brain will only process along those particular defensive oriented lines. Mm. It'll be colored by anger or fear, but it's only gonna be outward, separate, and looking about survival, and mm, overcoming or running away. And tend my befriend allows us another, a, 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 an entirely larger bandwidth of information to be accessible. Tend and befriend is where you get intuition. I, I, I know you're very intuitive, Jane, mm-hmm. and I am somewhat too, but I cannot discern my intuition if I'm afraid. Yeah. Because they'll, they'll cross contaminate. If I'm not afraid, I very clearly can discern intuition from just an errant thought. Yeah. But I, I don't have that if I'm in a fear state. So, you know, even our ability to access or use gifts is diminished when we're in states. And again, I don't want to make states the enemy their survival, that what God is here. But the fact is, I don't think people realize how much of the time we're living in an extraordinarily limited bandwidth.
0: Yeah. I love that metaphor, living in a, a limited bandwidth, because yeah. that's exactly how it feels to me. When yes. I feel my body contracting and I feel myself, I feel my energy field closing
1: mm-hmm. at that yes, point. Exactly. Yes. Everything gets drawn in. Everything gets yeah. drawn in, right? Yeah. Your energy, your view of how of of, of what's possible, yeah. even your view of the future gets foreshortened. And then when we're in that state, we believe it. Yeah. And then what happens is we believe God, I'm a failure. Yeah. I can't believe I, I was so active yesterday, and oh here I go again. I'm you know, and we go into the whole story. We go into the um, embellishing the narrative about how this is just more a sign of how we're screwed up. And <laughs> yeah. we get caught in state after state after state. But what I try to help people see is that it's not like people are fucked up. (laughs) It's that we were given a wonderfully devised system to help protect us from life threat. And we need to create for ourselves a a way of working with that system that's suitable for this time, for this time in our species, which means we're not going to get rid of those others, but we can add options. We can we can intentionally shift. Before this time, people were just a slave to whatever state they got thrown into. Yeah. And what we're talking about is people can have a choice. And that's part of what Sacred Changemakers is about, is people taking on the responsibility, the power, and the choice to stand in alignment for a kind of energy, for a type of change, or for a type of opening that their heart knows is true.
0: Beautifully said. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I love when you spoke about the frequency holders, because that really resonated for me. It did. Yeah. Mm. Oh gosh, Jeffrey, I could talk to you all day. I really could. It's been such a pleasure to really... Just be in dialogue with you, and your presence is such that I, you know, just in the first few words of our conversation this morning, I felt myself just grounding, <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> so, thank you, thank you so much oh,
1: for it's coming. Oh, my on. my pleasure, absolute pleasure, and always a pleasure to speak with you, Jane. Thank yeah. you so much.
0: Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing community of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. We're a network of people committed to making the world a better place. We support each other to grow personally and professionally. And together, we are making a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals all visible on our website. So if you're interested, I invite you to take a look and get free access to our popular program, Awaken the Changemaker Within. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening, for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.